Amen. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Psalm 30. Psalm 30. Also, if you are first time here, make sure that you don't leave today without getting a little blue bag. Also, if you have a connection card and it's your first time, we'd love to know who you are and you just drop it in those white boxes or you can go online and fill out a connection card on there. Not only if you're a first time visitor, but any way you need to connect with us, you can do that through that. Psalm 30, let us hear God's word. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. O Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his. And give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. Now in my prosperity I said I shall never be moved. Lord by your favor you have made my mountains stand strong. You hid your face. And I was troubled. I cried out to you, O Lord, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing, and you have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this time together. Lord, we thank you, God, for your word and for the inspiration of it. And now may it, may it speak to our hearts and our lives in such a way that we are challenged, that we are changed, and that we never get over it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are uh, in our, we're in our third week of our new series, and we are talking about being renewed by the Psalms. And we're looking at the Psalms, some of the different Psalms, and how hopefully that is helping to renew our hearts and renew us spiritually. Uh, before we go back to school, some of you say amen. And, and before, uh, and that could be parents, teachers, staff, anybody dealing with school in any way. But, you know, just we need, hopefully, summertime is going to be a time of spiritual renewal, uh, renewal, and hopefully we can this can help with that. And the Psalms are so renewed. Their prayers, their songs, they're, they're just a, a time that we come and can find uh, the psalmist being really honest with God. I love that about the psalms. And so we've been looking at it. We talked about Psalm 139 and how it tells us and it grounds us in who God is and who we are as his creation. And then his thoughts are precious for us and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen? And that uh, the psalm reminds us of that. And then last week we looked at Psalm 91. That's a psalm for times of trouble and that we find in God, in the heart of God, we can hide there. We can go to him. We can run to him. That should be our hiding place is in him because there's protection 
and there's preparation for the battle. And so today I want to talk about uh, Psalm 30 and a subject that really should be the part, a, a part of every Christian's life. It should be the part of every church. Now, there's many things that are good characteristics of a healthy church or healthy Christian. I think uh, healthy Christians and healthy churches should have a good grasp on what it means to be in ministry and to make disciples. Remember, that's the mission Jesus gave us. We don't have to spend three months coming up with a mission. He gave it to us. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and so that's the, that's the mission. Now, we have a vision here at Pine Valley to fulfill that mission is connecting hearts to Christ and one another because we believe that we are connecting hearts to Christ and one another then we are going to make disciples also we need a good understanding of scripture healthy churches have that and we're going to be talking more about God's word I, I think healthy churches have a good nurturing aspect where people are taking care of one another holding each other accountable and helping each other grow but also especially during tough times that is when we are taking care of one another. And then, of course, we should have a good aspect of social witness and, and that we need to know and be aware of what's happening in the community so that we can reach out and we can help heal uh, and the needs that are there. But one that, that many times I think is overlooked, that every, every healthy Christian and healthy church should be full of is the characteristic of joy. Joy. Churches need to be full of joy. Somewhere along the way, some churches have started acting like joy is some type of disease or something to watch out for. Somewhere along the way, somebody thought that uh, got the rumor started that, that we are baptized in lemon juice. Amen? And, and you'll see some Christians sometimes. Man, they are, I mean, they are the most, they're, they're looking sad all the time or mad all the time and all, but we need to be filled with joy. Christians in the Christian life should be filled with joy. You know, those people that look so prude and mad all the time, I just want to mess up their hair. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, just, just a little bit, just a little bit. Not mine, though. But anyway, all right. But the Bible is clear about joy. The Bible is clear about joy. Listen, in Deuteronomy, it says if, you, uh, if you're living a life that feels cursed or whatever, and, and verse, uh, 28, chapter 28, verse 47 says, it's because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. Psalm 16, verse 11 says, you will show me the path of life and your presence is fullness of joy. You hear that? In God's presence. A while ago, Carson prayed, thanking God for being here with his presence in this place. And it's in his presence we find fullness of joy at your right hand and our pleasures forevermore. And then, of course, Jesus talks about in John chapter 15, 11, says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus never wanted us running around with half a can of joy. Amen? No, he says he wants our joy to be full. And so I want to talk to you about that for a little while this morning. So why, first of all, is it so hard for Christians to have that joy? Why is it hard for us as Christians sometimes to have that joy? Number one is this. The enemy is constantly trying to steal it. That's what Jesus said about the enemy. He said that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
And let me tell you something. If, if you're doing anything for Jesus, then the enemy is going to come after it. The enemy is going to try to steal your joy. Because he knows that, uh, the, listen, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So he knows if he can steal that joy, if he can discourage us, if he can get us down, then he is already winning the battle. And we have to understand that no weapon formed against us shall prosper and we can have our joy. It does not belong to the enemy. Number two is this. We simply don't renew our joy. I remember back when we used to actually read magazines and, you know, you'd order those subscriptions of magazines. And I remember having, now everything's online. And when you think about subscription today, you think about Netflix. Amen? Not Netflix and chill. No, no. But anyway, Netflix or Amazon or things like that. You think about that as a subscription. But I remember having the subscription to um Christianity Today magazine, and, and all of a sudden I quit getting those, and I didn't realize that my year was up, and I did not renew that subscription. When we don't renew it, it quits coming. It quits, and, and, I, and the only thing lately that I didn't renew on a subscription was my subscription to the gym. You know what I'm talking about? My gym membership. That's probably the one I should have renewed. But anyway, uh, for some reason, just let that one go. But, but, the, but we need to renew our joy. Like a good subscription, like a good membership, we need to constantly be renewing our joy. So I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning. If God has given us this promise from Psalm 30 that his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for life. You hear that? His anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for life. Then we should be looking for joy every morning. Joy. Every morning. How can we begin to see mornings full of joy? Now, I'm not just talking about a morning as far as chronological time of the day. I'm talking about any time that we feel like we are in a dark time, any time we feel like we're in a down time. How can we begin to see the morning that comes with joy? Number one is this. If we're going to see joy in the morning, we need to sing. We need to sing. There's a reason that we sing in church. There's a reason that God gives commandments over and over in the Bible telling us to sing for joy, to sing in that way, because God knows that singing can help to stir up our joy. That's why whenever John Wesley wrote his, uh, his, his instructions for, for singing for the Methodists, he said things like, do not sing like you're half dead. And boy, have I been to some churches before that forgot that one. Lord have mercy. He says, I mean, those kind of things. He says, you sing for the Lord just like you used to sing those songs for the devil. And I've seen some folks that won't sing anywhere else. But, oh, you get them out somewhere and they singing. They don't care who hears, who sees, all of that. But then they won't sing a lick for the Lord. Listen, he says, sing for joy. Did you know that the Hebrew word, um, verse 4, Psalm 30, verse 4 says, Sing praise to the Lord, you his saints, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. The Hebrew word for rena, I mean, for, for joy, it's rena. And that same word is used when it talks about singing. In other words, we shouldn't ever not be singing for joy. It is a part of what we are called to do. And we need to sing more. 
If you need more joy, sing more. Put it on the iPad or put it on your iPhone or your phone. Put it on your television, on the Internet and TikTok. There's gospel TikTok out there now. Hallelujah. But anyway, um, it don't stay on there long enough in my book. But anyway, but, you know, but find a way to sing. Sing in the shower, sing in the car, sing at the dinner table. Well, they used to say don't sing at the dinner table. But anyway, if you're singing for Jesus, it's all right with me. But we need to be singing more. Just don't sing the blues, amen? Just sing something joyful. See, there's a reason God made us to enjoy. It's our right brain is to connect, is the creative part. And that's why we sing in church, because it touches our creative parts. It touches the, the side of the brain that does emotion. And it opens up the other side of the brain, the left side that is, you know, for critical thinking and that kind of thing. It opens it up to hear the word. And so there is, it, it, God did it chemically. He did it biologically, psycholo psychologically, so that we would be more open because of the singing to hear his word. And so we need to sing if we want joy. Number two, amen, amen. Number two is this. If we want the joy, if we want a morning full of joy, then not only do we need to sing, we need to surrender. We need to surrender there are things that he tells us. Look, look at Psalm 30, verse 8. I cried out to you, O Lord, and to the Lord I made supplication. Okay? He, he says, I go to you with this. I surrender it to you. And then in verse 11, he says, And now you have turned for me my mourning, not the time of mourning, not the time of day mourning, but my grief, into dancing. And you have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. You hear that? It's a trade that's going on. But in order for you to make any deal or trade anything, there's something you have to give, amen? There's something you have to trade in. So if we want dancing, we have to trade in our mourning. We have to trade in our grief. We have to trade in our sadness. If we want, if we want gladness to be clothed with gladness, then we need to trade in our sackcloth. We need to trade in those things. We need to trade in discouragement. We need to trade in disappointment. We need to trade and surrender those things so that we can have the joy of the Lord. That's why we pulled that older song out, Trading My Sorrows, because that's exactly what we want to do. We want to trade our sorrows for the joy of the Lord. If you believe that, say amen. amen. And we just need to surrender it. We need to sing. We need to surrender and also, we need to serve. If we want joy, then I think it really can only come when we decide to serve. When we decide to serve. Sarah Cunningham's book, Dear Church, Letter from a, Letters from a Disillusioned Generation. And it's hard for church leaders to hear this because she's like brutally honest on where the church is messed up and that kind of thing and, and, and apologizes and, and all this kind of stuff. But, uh, but she characterizes 20-somethings, which are probably like 30-somethings now because um, this book is, is sort of dated. But she characterized the 20-somethings and, and I think can be for a lot of folks now, as a generation who wants to make a difference. They're a generation that wants to make a difference. And, and what she's saying is that they are turned on by missional opportunities. And I'll just go ahead and say, I think all of us, when we go and serve, whether it's our young people or our older people that go to Appalachian Service Project and serve, the underprivileged there, whether it's our Guyana work, uh, mission team that go and serve in Guyana, 
whether it's serving right here downtown Wilmington, serving locally, serving in the church. Listen, folks, all of this is what can bring you joy. And I don't think our joy can be complete without serving God in some way. And so I don't know where it may be. You may be asking yourself, where can I serve? Hey, we'll get you hooked up on that. You just email Pastor Kim or Amy, and, and we will get you hooked up on serving. And we've got opportunities all over with children, with youth, with older adults, with, with ministries that are happening here. But find a place to serve. Serving is what can bring joy. Psalm 100 verse 2 says this, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. See, Jesus made it clear that it's about the serving. It's not about what we get in return. You remember that uh, parable of the workers in the vineyard? Some of them came that morning and started up, worked all day. Some of them came about midday, got, got into the fun, and then worked about uh, half the day. Then some came like in the last couple of hours, showed up, helped out a little bit there at the very end. And then at the end of the day, the owner came, the owner of the vineyard came and gave all of them the same wage. Now, all, all, all of a sudden, some of you are saying, wait, wait a minute, whoa, wait a minute. I've seen that kind of thing before. That ain't right. And then what Jesus was said that this parable was meaning is this, that there should be enough joy just by the opportunity, just by the privilege of being able to serve in the vineyard. There should be enough joy to go all around. And it's not about what we get in return, but it's the fact we got to be in the vineyard. And folks, if you're serving God, you're in His vineyard. You're doing something in his vineyard. If you're spreading his word, you're in his vineyard. And there is joy when we serve in the vineyard of God. The great civil rights icon, the Dr. Reverend Dr. Howard Thurman, he um, was also a professor up at Boston University, but he would, he would uh, share stories many times, wrote lots of good books, uh, you know, was right there with Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and, and many others. But anyway, uh, Howard Thurman told a story one time of him being a little boy, and um, he, they would have pickup games, of course, in the neighborhood, and he was in the inner city neighborhood, and they would have pickup games there, and, and he said uh, since he was really small, they'd never let him get up to bat. And he say what they called it during that day, I want to get my uppins. In other words, I want to get my at bat. And every time an older, bigger boy would jump in there in between. Until one of the days, uh, uh, there was this girl there that I think his brother was trying to date or something. And she said, you need to let him get up to bat. And of course, his brother wanted to please the girl. You know what I'm saying? Say, oh yeah, yeah, let me. And he said he was so happy that finally he got his uppins. He said, I got up there. The first pitch came across strike one. He said the second pitch came across, strike two. He said he just knew he was going to have it on the third pitch. The third pitch came across, strike three. Yep, he had struck out. And everybody just waited for him to get upset and cry or anything. But as he walked away from the home plate, he had a big old smile on his face. Not because he hit the ball, because he didn't. But because he got his uppings. And folks, when we serve the Lord, that's our uppings. And that same little boy later wrote in some of his literature that whatever makes you come alive, you go do it. And serving God is what really makes us come alive. So this morning, 
Let's renew our joy. Let's renew our joy today. In whatever way, whether it's to sing or whether it's to surrender or whether it's to serve. Yates Poole was a rancher, a sheep rancher down in Texas during the Great Depression. And he was doing everything he could just to be able to get his, uh, to keep his ranch going. He was having to get assistance at times. He was trying to uh, make sure that his sheep didn't die. All those kind of things that were just making it hard to get by. One day, some seismographic scientists come by and said, well, we, we want to check things on the fault lines around here and everything. And so they, they dug a well that was going to be 1,100 feet. And when they dug that 1,100-foot well, all of a sudden, they struck something called oil. As Jed Clampett said, black gold, Texas tea. Anyway, they struck it, and from that one 1,100-foot well, they were able to pump 80,000 barrels a day. 80,000 barrels a day from that one well. They dug another one on his land, and all of a sudden they were able to uh, dig and and were able to pump 125,000 barrels a day. Well, he owned the land and the mineral rights there, so all of a sudden, this guy by the name of Yates Poole became a very rich man. And the bad thing is, he had been struggling just to get by when the real source of riches was there all the time. Now listen, here's what I'm afraid of. I think there's a lot of us Christians who are struggling to get by. We're struggling to get by day to day. We're struggling to get by through hard times when there is the real source of joy that's available all the time. And it's right here. So just like I told the kids a while ago, if you need to renew your joy today, and the promise is we get, we, we get to share in the table of joy today, the table of grace, where His joy never ends. Because we remember actively what he did for us. Let's renew our joy this day. Let's renew it today. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you. And as we get ready to share in your holy meal, if there's anybody that just needs to sing, that needs to surrender, or needs to start to serve with joy, Lord, we pray that today will be that day. That we, will renew, that we will renew the joy of the Lord in our hearts this day. Amen.